Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I want you to think about how many famous quotes have come out of the mouths of dads. I'm sure you think about it. I mean, words like, uh, ask your mother. I mean, that is a famous quote. Uh, do I look like I'm made of money? <laughs> I mean, that one is, that one is made a lot, okay? Uh, I'll give you something to cry about. Uh, my favorite is, I'm not lost. <laughs> or, or the one I heard a lot growing up was uh, this vintage famous line, if I have to stop this car. Ooh, yeah. You know, my wife would have said, I'm going to pee. Dads across the world have been known for some of the most famous of quotes. Is that just true? Except Joseph. I, I just think it's crazy. I mean, we're talking about the chosen earthly father to Jesus. And we have nothing. We, we don't have any, uh, why me, God? Or what? Nothing, absolutely nothing, or maybe more than we know. One day during a children's sermon, the pastor was telling the kids about how the angel came to Mary to tell her how she was going to help bring Jesus into the world. Now, one little girl seemed so puzzled, yet another child simply went on and asked what I thought as the pastor was the first thing that Mary would have asked for after the angel left. Instantly, the little girl was puzzled, said, well, I'll bet she would have asked Joseph for a little more help. And maybe more than help, Joseph actually did more than we understand. Just maybe of all the nativity characters, the wordless Joseph actually spoke the loudest. I just want you to think about this. And maybe he's the vintage example of Actions speak louder than words. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to go to Matthew 1. As you're going there, research tells us that we communicate only 7% with our words, 35% with our tone of voice, and 58% with our actions. And I believe Joseph knew the power of that. And I think we all need to learn this as well. Because I don't want you to miss this. A true godly life that is lived well, the way God had purposed a life to be lived, is worth far more than any sermons anyone could ever preach. I believe with all my heart. See, I believe it's better to let your walk do your talking than let your talk do too much walking. <laughs> So if you got your Bibles, Matthew 1, and we're going to look at vintage Joseph, who I think gives us an incredible picture of what it really means to be a man of God, to be a person of God. Matthew chapter 1, and I'm beginning in the 18th verse. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
But because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, if you like to circle something in your Bible, circle that word righteous, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had thought about this, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, notice the title there, okay? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I just love this moment. Love this moment. What I want to do is I want to give you simply three keys to Joseph's walk that really talked. Okay? Here's the first one. Joseph walked loudly in Christ-likeness. Joseph never said a word, but he walked quite loudly that I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Christ. Now, when we meet Joseph, let's... Let's be reminded, he's in the middle of a personal crisis. We know the end of the story, correct? Yeah. But Joseph didn't. Joseph is excited about the fact that he'd worked hard. In fact, some historians would say he might have been 18 to 19 years of age. Most historians tell us he was probably around the age of 25. And so Mary is a young teen, and this is an arranged marriage, but he's an older man. See, being a man as a Jew means that you must be at a place that you can provide for the family, which is going to be arranged. Age was inconsequential because as we see teenagers as the age of 13, 14, 15, we would say today they're not ready to be married. Back in those days, that was considered a privilege when you became a young teenage girl. And there's an excitement in the air. Joseph had worked hard he had proven himself fruitful and successful. He had built himself an enterprise, if you will, in the area of carpentry. And now he's ready. He's ready to have a family. Everything has come together until he learns that his betrothed has messed it all up. So he thinks. She's with child. And may I remind you, <laughs> okay, her reasoning all right? And the story that she's telling. Like, I, I know, Joseph, I, I know you can see my tummy growing, and, and, but, but, but God got me pregnant. And we know that's happened never before, yeah. okay? And so that's all Joseph has. That my mom and dad arranged my life with a girl who was unfaithful, and she's with child. And at this moment, she's pretty much lost her mind. But right off the bat, we learn something about Joseph that's key, and I asked you to circle it. And that's the fact that he's righteous, of which we all are supposed to be. Look at verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. 
and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, he decides to break the engagement quietly. Notice the progression here. Joseph is righteous. I'm going to help you with that in just a moment. He's righteous, and therefore he does not want to disgrace her, so he decides to break the engagement quietly. Let me say that again. Joseph is righteous, meaning God is first in his life. And because God is first, he's other-minded, not wanting to disgrace her because he has a heart just like Jesus. This is important that you don't miss this. See, if you look at Philippians 2, I want to read this to you. In Philippians 2, here's what Paul writes. If there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other that you love one another and you work together with one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't look out for your own interest. Have the same attitude of Christ, who though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in this human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died in a cross for our sin. What's Paul getting at? Righteousness. Righteousness means that I will do what is right according to God, regardless of what has been done to me in this world. Righteousness. The prophet Ezekiel wrote, if a person walks in God's statutes, if a person keeps God's judgments faithfully, they are considered righteous and they will surely live. You see, a righteous person cannot seek the disgrace or the disrespect of anyone regardless of what might seem deserving to them. Let me say it one other way. Joseph never had a choice. When it says that he, when he was considering this, it's not that he had options. You see, a righteous person has no options. They have but one. What would Jesus do? The moment you create an option, you remove yourself from being righteous. This is an amazing moment. He had but one choice. What would God do? And he thinks, I, I can't defame her. I can't shame her. I can't disgrace her. God wouldn't do it to me. I won't do it to her. And he's trying to figure out, how do I do this to protect her? And then the angel of the Lord shows up. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I just find this interesting. Joseph chooses to be Christ-like before Christ is even born. It's profound. What's going through your mind? That, that last sentence you just said, that, that's, a, that's a deep one, that he was beginning to decide to be Christ-like before Christ was even born. Uh, you know, it's interesting because, especially when you understand that culture that day, he didn't engage any thought process with his friends. What do you think I should do? His family, 
what you do, even, quote, religious leaders, because they would have all told him, no, I mean, because you gotta protect yourself, you gotta protect what people think about you. No, he never, he had already decided, like you said, he had already decided his heart before even the situation came. Because, okay, I'm gonna, I'm walking with God and I'm gonna do what's right according to what God says in that way. Wow, a lot of things would be different in this world. I, I think it would have been easy for him to second guess this whole thing, being a successful contractor or carpenter. You know, I'm sure he had a lot of clients and friends in the community, in the area. And, you know, he could have easily said, well, what is everybody gonna think? And he didn't even hear the, the angel that, uh, that spoke to Mary. He, he uh, kind of took her word for it. You know, it's, the, it's amazing to me how, how righteous he was. You know, he just, he just was. And he, uh, he accepted uh, his role in the whole process willingly and away they went. It's amazing. The lineage for me is is the interesting part. He behaves a lot like David, too. Christ is a lot like David and having a heart for God first, even though they, you know, David screwed up all the time. But he he was he had God's heart. And so I always wondered how the lineage worked. And it's okay to say you're from another family. We we have a blended family. They were one of the first very important blended families ever. You know, the first stepdad, that's what I always tell my kids, is he's the first cool stepdad. He just accepted him as his own and, and took him in. And to me, that's, that's, a, that's a big heart. That's a heart for God. It's an amazing thing to me. I think of perseverance and patience just because there's a lot of things that can come to your mind in a situation like that. But... If you're patient, you're trying to give pause and wait for something. And I'm wondering what type of a person um, Jesus' mother was. Um, obviously, he believed in her. And so sometimes, even if someone says something that seems weird to others, if you know that person, you might see the truth in what they're saying. And however, that's such a big ask that there needed to be confirmation. And so it's almost like when the angel appeared, that was confirmation. And so I just see a lot of patience. That's, that's literally what I see. So Joseph, if you will, walked loudly in a Christ-like manner. Here's number two. Joseph walked loudly with compassion. He didn't have to say it, but man, did he live it. Look at verse 19 again. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, was a righteous man. He was being Christ-like before Christ was born and not wanting to disgrace her. He could have. In fact, some believe he should have. But he decides to break the engagement quietly. You know, I read a story about two friends who were walking through the desert and they got into an argument. One friend was so angry that he actually slapped the other on the face. As you can imagine, the one who was slapped was hurt. 
But without saying anything, he simply stooped down and he wrote these words in the sand. Today, my best friend slapped me in the face. They kept walking until they found an oasis. Thirsty, they stopped for water. But the one who had been slapped prior got stuck in quicksand and he started to sink. But his friend now saved him. That night, he wrote on a stone, Today my best friend saved my life. The other was intrigued. I don't get it. After I hurt you, you wrote in the sand, but now you write on stone? Why would you do that? Listen to what he said. You know, when someone hurts us, we should write it in the sand where the winds of forgiveness can blow it away. But when someone does something good, oh, we must engrave it in the stone where it will be long remembered. Those are great words. You see, when you and I have been hurt, how we respond, don't miss this, I think speaks more about in whom you trust than in how you had been hurt. Joseph speaks loudly with compassion. I find it interesting that one of Joseph's other sons, James, who would one day believe, he would write these words, the wisdom that is from God is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of compassion. It's full of compassion. To be Christ-like means we have to respond what? In love. Think about it. According to the law, Joseph had multiple ways in which to handle this. You can read it in Deuteronomy 22. He could have had her stoned, according to the law. But when you walk in love, I already said it earlier, you have but one choice. What would Jesus do? Treat others the way you want to be treated. And you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13? Love keeps no record of wrongs. True love. As far as the east is to the west, that's how God loves us when it comes to our sin. And Joseph is a righteous man. Therefore, I need not say anything. I love Mary. And I want to treat Mary the way God has treated me. You see, compassion means I remove from my memory so now I can live life memorable. Mm, I like that. Joseph walked loudly with compassion. What's going through your mind? Well, I, I um, think about, you know, when you go to talk to someone and they have a quiet way about them, you just think they have wisdom and they're, um, they don't fly off the handle. It's something I always want to be and work on. I do get excited easy. But um, I, I love, Mark used to have a friend and he's gone now, but he was a very wise, wise man. And I think Joseph seems that he was probably wise or would have been thinking that he was pretty wise because he's so gentle about what he's doing. It's not like he flew off the handle and called Mary names or did any of those things. He just walked away and decided he was going to be you know, kind and, and not disgrace her. Um, if he'd have blown up, been a wild, maybe, maybe younger, I don't know. But to me, he must have been studying the word so heavily that he was so 
tight with God that it just didn't even cross his mind to storm off. It just, if someone came home and said, hey, I'm going to have a baby, and I don't think it would go that well at our house. I mean, just don't. And so um, I just, I'm amazed at how he just walked away and, and decided not to hurt her. That, that's, that's true compassion. You know, the whole, the whole census thing, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but, uh, you know, his, his compassion, like Don said, and, uh, you know, making sure she had a, a, a donkey to ride on and was as comfortable as she could be. And then, you know, I, I can imagine his, his uh, uh, you know, pain and not having a comfortable place for her to be. Um, but he doesn't, you know, I don't know whether the authors are not, you know, saying what he said, but, you know, by being quiet and thoughtful and righteous, you know, he, like you say, Keith, he, he speaks more loudly in his, in his quietness. I've also admired people that are, uh, you know, quiet and listen more than they talk because, um, you know, I've often thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that quite yet, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's okay later, but uh, I don't have enough information yet to say that, you know. And he seems like that kind of guy. I think it's the spirit. Um, the spirit of compassion is something that a lot of people need to accept. Um, it's hard to do so. Um, it's, it's not easy within ourselves to be compassionate. Um, but if you accept that, if you accept that into your life, um, you know, into imbibing away, um, I, I don't know, it's, I guess it's easier said than done, but it is much more impactful done than said. Compassion, uh, I think a lot of times people think it's a spiritual gift. Either I have it or I don't have it. And obviously it's not, it's a choice. But it comes out of his being righteous. You know, for me, uh, when I ever have to struggle with being compassionate, I have to go back to, okay, what has Christ done for me? What has God done for me? How much has he forgiven me? And then based on that, I look at things, as you said, I look at things totally different because I am no better than anybody else or anything else. With that kind of how much he's, compassion has given me, I now give to others. It's a choice. And it's a choice you have to always be in front of all the time, but you have to be walking with God to do that. And that's what he had. I think that's so great. And I also think with that, when we talk about Christ's love for us and Christ's compassion for us, then it's people want what we have. When we can give compassion like that, then people are like, wow, you're different. You know, we're, we're weird, we're different because we're able to do things like that. And it's because of God's compassion for us that we can give it. And that's truly where we talk about discipleship. They're going to want what we have. They're going to want to give the way we can give. Absolutely. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit. What's the first fruit? Love. Love. It's the natural byproduct when we're walking in Christ. And, and here Joseph is a perfect example of that this love, this compassion that flows out of him. So he walked loudly like Christ. He didn't, he didn't have to say it. He walks loudly with compassion. He doesn't have to speak it. 
He just lives it. Here's the third. Joseph walked loudly in commitment. In commitment. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Three times, just so you know this, three times in scripture, Joseph is even mentioned. And all three times, he acts decisively. We just read it right here in this. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord commanded. But then in the very next chapter, it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother. And the Bible says, He rose and took. Did exactly what the angel had asked. And then later in that chapter, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in another dream, said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. And the Bible says he woke up and rose and took. Three times God says to Joseph, Do this. And all three times Joseph does exactly that. Talk about commitment. Talk about obedience. I mean, he doesn't even question it. No concessions, just straight up, straightforward obedience. Here's my question. How about you? You know, we can talk about God's word being our authority. Sure. There's no question in Joseph's life. When you read, do you obey? Jesus said, if you love me, you will. See, listen to this carefully. I contend that life is not that we always get it. The life that Christ wants us to have is a belief that God always does, no matter what. Like, I don't understand, but I don't need to understand because God's already got it and God cannot fail. See, that is an important moment you understand because your view of God, your view of Christ affects everything in your life. You can talk it all you want. That's right. But I think that's why in the Bible, Joseph doesn't say anything. Is because God's trying to help us understand. Talk's cheap. Joseph walks it out. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God, trusts God. And he that trusts God, obeys God. They're intertwined. See, it's this posturing that you and I need to live out. And that's how we gain access to the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to catch this. The New James Version says this. When Joseph thought about these things, it's not that he's creating options. He instantly is walking, if you will, like Christ. He already knows I have to think of Mary more important than myself. By putting himself in that position, you know what the Bible says? And the angel of the Lord came and spoke to him. Mm. It's such a beautiful moment. See, when you do the right things, you will always hear the righteous things. It's a positioning. Psalm 27 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. See, the key to the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives is making sure that we're in a position that the Spirit can. That's why I said, when you create options, you remove the righteousness right out of your life. I love the fact that Joseph knew that God will direct me and my job is to be like God. 
and he will not fail me. He's a righteous man. I don't understand this. God's got it. He's not failed me yet. He won't fail me now. And by putting himself in that position, that posture, guess who shows up? God. And says, Joseph, it's okay. And it's almost like Joseph goes, I know. I know. And when he wakes up, he does what the angel commands. It's such a beautiful moment. You know, D.L. Moody was conducting a series of meetings in Boston, Massachusetts. Leading the congregation in music that night was Daniel B. Towner. One night, a young man responded that night to Moody's invitation. And the young man said, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. Those words struck Mr. Towner. He jotted them down and he sent them to his friend J.H. Samus, a Presbyterian minister. Together they gave birth to the famed hymn, Trust and Obey. And I think it is those three words that sum up what it means to be a true follower of Jesus, what it means to be righteous. Yeah. Joseph trusted, Joseph obeyed. It was never in question. It's just the bundle. I don't get it, but God's got it. I'm not going to fret because I have faith. It's such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Joseph doesn't need to say anything because his life is going to speak everything. It's such a beautiful moment. What's going through your mind? Commitment. It's something that I think is missing in our world uh, today. You know, so many single moms. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I think the, the, the dads are the ones that also need to be ministered to, the ones that didn't commit. In the business world and personal world, there, there just seems to be a lack of commitment that, uh, I can always get another job or, eh, that's too much work, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I sound like an old guy, which I am, but, um, you know, it, Commitment is something that is so critical to, I think, to following through on what you need to do in life. Has, uh, and, and Joseph's commitment was inspiring. Um, and I think we should all uh, aspire to that kind, of, um, that kind of commitment. I think it alludes to reading what you have said before, the idea like some people feel like like some people just have it, right? Like you're just righteous, you have it. But if you work it backwards, well, if you, if you have the commitment and you have compassion for people, you're probably gonna become a more righteous person, right? And so it kind of goes back to a lot of what we've been talking about, that idea of that, like the daily discipline, the, the constant commitment within the word, within your, how you act, all those things consistently coming through um, has the ability to build you up as an individual. Um, and then with the compassion piece, I just wrote like when we respond, when we lack compassion or when we respond in frustration or anger, who wins in that situation? And it's, I mean, most of the times you feel like, okay, I'm gonna get one up on this person and you probably still don't feel that good in the situation anyway. So why is that the first response that a lot of people go to? I appreciate how you pointed out because I don't think I ever caught that before that three times he's mentioned and each time was immediate obedience. I mean, immediate. Kind of thing. So immediate obedience equals and, or shows that a person's right with God, which obviously flip it around. 
if I'm not obe obedient immediately, then I'm not right with God. Whether that is an anger issue, if that's a, a not, you know, people do that in finances, not tithing, living together before marriage, whatever. Whatever the issue is, it simply means I'm not right with God because there's an immediate, immediate obedience to that. And man, he's a fabulous example of that. No questions asked. Wow. I, I think the commitment as we're, I'm listening, it's in everything, but it, it needs to start with him first. And then I think it follows through in business or marriage or all of those things. But um, it's a learned behavior because I don't think we were born to just want to do what everybody wanted us to do. I mean, you know, as you've said in um, sermons before, we've talked to the kids about you're born selfish. Feed me, I'm dirty, you know, all those different things. But um, to learn to not want what I want. And that doesn't come just willy-nilly. That comes by being committed here first. And I think once, I, I just can't imagine how committed he was. I'm not sure I've ever met a, a person, not just a man, but a, a person who was that committed to, to just say, okay. Just okay. It's powerful. And so Joseph speaks loudly of being Christ-like. He speaks loudly without saying anything, an unbelievable compassionate man. Would you agree? Totally. But talk about a committed man, a man who trusts. God has me. God has me. I think you'll appreciate this story. You know, seven years ago, there was a radio voice by the name of Paul Harvey. Now, Paul Harvey had a segment called The Rest of the Story. And he would tell stories, if you will, in reverse, in a sense. And you get what really happened. Well, he tells a story that I just loved. It's about an airline stewardess who was being sexually harassed by a slightly inebriated man in first class. He was relentless in trying to get her to agree to meet him in his hotel suite after they landed. As she continued to move through the cabin, she encounters another man in the rear of the plane, just like the man in first class. He too is persistent, but he's trying to find out where she is staying for the night so he can come and meet her there. Well, at last, the pilot announces that they were making their final approach. The guy in the first class made his final appeal, offering her the key to a suite. To his delight, she took them, and she placed them securely in her apron pocket. She then walked quickly and directly to the back of the plane, handed them to the guy in the rear of the plane, and then added, don't be late. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the rest, the rest of, the of the story. I love that story. But I say that to say this. Consider, we'd all agree there's always more to a story, isn't there? And how often do we react in a moment? We feel we've been unfairly treated. This is being unjust. It's not right. Imagine if Joseph was not righteous... And instead of trusting God, he took things into his own hands. <laughs> Imagine if he would have kept the letter of the law and had her stoned. It would sure change the season we're celebrating right now. 
Do you think that Joseph, after little Jesus was born, you think Joseph, who's up in glory and realizing the incredible gift that Jesus was and the privilege to get to be Jesus' dad, you think Joseph was grateful to trust God for the rest of the story? See, that's what righteousness is. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. God, I don't see it all unfolding. There's a lot of things in my life right now that just seem so unfair. But he's got the rest of the story. And so I trust your word enough to take the next step, to do the right thing, to think of others more important than myself, and to stay committed. And in doing that, we're being Christ, right? And God's doing things we can't even begin to fathom the rest of the story. I like what the words St. Augustine said, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. And he's so right. I just say this as a final thought and then you can chime in and then we'll pray. But maybe God chose Mary because of who Mary was betrothed to. There's a thought to play with. Wow. Maybe that's why the angel came to Mary first. Because the angel already knew who her husband was going to be. It's just an interesting thought. Maybe Joseph, who said nothing, yet said everything in the best way it could have ever been said. What's going through your mind? Well, both, both Mary and Joseph were true to their, the messages that they got from God. And what goes through my mind is how many messages like that have I had in my life that I didn't hear or didn't pay attention to? And, uh, you know, we've, Don and I have been talking about that a lot, that we need to be attentive and, and, and listen to what God is telling us to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not always, it's not in the form of an angel standing beside your bed, but there are lots of ways that God can speak to us. And we need to be attentive to that. Yeah, God asked the simplest thing, and yet we have made it so complex, and that is uh, trusting and obey. Um, obedience is that is that's just you mentioning this enough times i'm starting to realize that we don't take take the gravitas of what that word means um i was looking at first samuel 15 22 and it says obedience is better than sacrifice and we sometimes we're saying well we're trying to sacrifice well that's not necessary it's you just have to obey God has already made the biggest sacrifice on earth. Um, so it's just, it's, I mean, we just have to go by that. And we use that as the, the measure of how God, God's will is done. You just obey. So this was definitely reaffirming for me. I don't think I've ever thought of before this message, you know, because so much of Christmas stories in the past, the emphasis was Mary. 
very little Joseph, but mostly Mary. I don't think I've ever understood the, uh, the uh, depth of impact. You know, we talk about, obviously, the life of Jesus changing billions of people's lives for all of eternity. Joseph's life changed billions of people's lives for all of eternity. I, I, that, I've never thought of that before, the fact that he was so righteous, because I always wondered too, even, you know, Jesus, age 12, he knew all this scripture. Who taught it to him? Somebody taught it to him. Could be Mary, but I bet Joseph kind of thing. And even as a dad, sometimes you have kids, they grow up and then they say, as they grow up, they say, man, you look just like your dad. You look just like your dad. But this is an incredible compliments reverse. Joseph, you look just like your son. You look just like Jesus. Man, would that be a compliment for goal for all of us to be that same way? I want to pray. Father, this is a message that I think all need to hear. God, how often in vintage Christmas we fail to really understand the true living nativity, the story unfolding. And Lord, we're always looking backward in what we already know. But to imagine a young teenage girl and a first time to be married man and father and how everything was changed in a moment of time that would impact them forever and so many others forever to come. God, what a statement, but Joseph was a righteous man. Joseph would do what is right no matter what. God, if that could be said of all of us, what it really means in being Christ-like, to think of others more important than ourselves, despite what's been done to us, that we don't nurse the hurt, we quickly give it to you. How would Jesus love in this moment? How would Jesus react? How would Jesus respond? And Lord, that happens because the word is our authority. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. God, may that be the people of this church. May that be the person that we become for all who are listening and that our world would never be the same. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.